back to my life plus 20 25 for those of you who are new my name is Mario Chavez and every week I try to get I try to get speakers for you and talk about different issues that affect our justice system about affect our societies our economies from the perspective of someone who has been wrongfully convicted for 17 years and I'm still inside a box and I bring this insight to you because I feel like there are things that I can say that can help form and change the conversation around criminal justice out there. And this, in this, uh, in today's uh, episode, I want to talk about conviction integrity units. And so, what happened here is that a few weeks ago, actually last month, I was listening to an episode of Crime and Justice Radio with Bruce Barquet and Ada Lessing, a really great show that I tried to, uh, I tried to miss. And they had on there a guest by the name of Fred Klein, who talked about his experience as a prosecutor. He talked about the importance of his role in shaping the integrity of the men and women that came to him to learn how to be better prosecutors. And I thought about my own lawyer, right, Jason Bowles, who for years was a prosecutor and now is one of the best defense attorneys in New Mexico. Uh, even uh, Bruce Barquette, the co-host of the show, he himself was once a prosecutor. Anyway, I was confronted with a new truth, and I've talked about this in the past, that sometimes our experiences will present new truths to us, and we, it's up to us to change our beliefs based on the new evidence that we're confronted with. And my new truth that I was being confronted with was whether we're talking about an elected attorney general or a district attorney or the lowly prosecutors, these are people just like the rest of us, and it can be some, sometimes it can be hard to see that truth, especially when you find yourself in a position like my own, fighting to get out from beneath a wrongful conviction. It's like trying to crawl out of a grave with my bare hands, and especially when you've suffered racial persecution or any kind of discrimination, you can sometimes come to see these DAs or attorney generals as monsters. Right? Because they're the ones that are charged with upholding the law, and oftentimes they don't do it. Now, what I'm saying is that it's easy to misplace our frustrations and assign blame of, system, of systemic challenges to a particular individual, or for that matter, to a particular group of individuals. And I have to admit that listening to Fred Klein speak forced me to challenge some beliefs. Beliefs that, yes, are still based on my experiences, but beliefs that needed to be amended. Beliefs being like, for instance, related to prosecutors and DAs, I've often believed that they're just sadists and sociopaths, people who lie, twist, and outright desecrate the Constitution and any notions of common decency so as to win, right? It doesn't matter if they get an illegal or wrongful conviction. They just want to win. Unfortunately for me, my reason for that is because the DA experience that I had between 2004 and 2006 when I is was with Kerry Brandenburg, who quite possibly is probably one of the most corrupt politicians to touch New Mexico law enforcement in a generation. Now, her exploits are well known, and it's not necessary for me to go into them here, other than to say that my perception was tainted by this experience. My perception is also tainted by watching how the New Mexico Attorney General's office lies and twists the facts of the law so as to not give me justice in my appeals, right? And this, these, are, these are ideas that have been forming over my lifetime. But here I was listening to some of the experiences of Bruce Barquet and 
I guess you could say by my self-awareness or my conscience or whatever works for you to rethink some things. And the first question I had to answer was, do we need prosecutors? I mean, I think the methods that other than brutality of law enforcement and mass incarceration need to be implemented to address the very real issue of criminality as I spoke about last uh, week. But meanwhile, we do need a method for upholding the laws that we have. Therefore, prosecutors are necessary. And when they perform their duties diligently and with, within the limitations of the law, they absolutely should be respected as beacons of justice. And absolutely, absolutely what it means to be a contributing member of society. Now, oftentimes, we don't see this because the media loves to highlight the bad at the expense of the good. So we may overlook someone when they do the right thing. Now, the second question I, I had to answer and confront was, what is it about the noble task that we have set for these individuals who become prosecutors, right, that leads the Bureau of Justice Statistics at BJS.gov to report that more than half of all wrongful convictions are due to governmental misconduct? Think about that. I mean, these are, aren't bad people, but yet the evidence speaks for itself. There are some bad things happening. In other words, why is it so challenging for a prosecutor to just follow the law, the Constitution? And if the accused can't be proven guilty within the legal boundaries, then that's just the reality we have to accept as a society of laws. And it was in answering this second question when I stumbled upon a very troubling observation. The answer to these questions may just be in the fact that we have placed what otherwise might be a noble public servant into an impossible predicament where the actual metrics of success are creating the corruption and the malfeasance that we don't want to see. Now, when we look at the typical political camp campaign for someone who's running for a DA, for, for instance, right, we're used to seeing the taglines of protect our communities, law and order, cracking down on crime, keep our communities safe. And these messages usually come with endorsements from police unions or, or a police chief or a sheriff. And maybe we haven't paid attention enough, but I think we need to. Because these DAs, for example, step into these positions, fired up to prosecute crime, get convictions, and make communities safer. But look, this isn't what's really happening. It's a story that we tell ourselves so that we can think that we're making society better right, safer, crime-free, whatever slogan we prefer, but it's not the, the reality. And I think here's the problem. When a crime is committed, right, let's say for the sake of, of argument that we're talking about a murder, because in general, most people, I don't care who you are, nobody wants to see some people get killed. Usually. What happens is the police investigate, and they may arrest a suspect. And this arrest may be substantiated by accusations from witnesses or other suspects or forensic evidence like DNA or fingerprints or video footage. It could be anything. So an arrest is made. DA's office then has to review this evidence and make a decision whether or not to seek an indictment. In New Mexico, this goes through the grand jury process. The question that the DA needs to answer is, is there sufficient evidence to arrive at a finding of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt? This becomes the question. Now, Outside of this, what's also happening is that the media is reporting on the murder, congratulating the police, giving them high, high fives for having apprehended a suspect. 
And in doing so, they're typically repeating allegations made against the suspect, like so-and-so may have cartel connections, or his ex-girlfriend says suspect is abusive, or the neighbor says suspect is known to hang around with gang members, or according to a fellow inmate, the suspect confessed to the murder. The more high-profile the case, the more speculation there is. Now, to none of this is the suspect, who by law is innocent until proven guilty, effectively able to respond to these allegations. There is no test being made to see if these allegations are even reliable. And personally, I've never seen mainstream media actually say something like, murder suspect school teacher says he's a model student, and the local priest says he's moral and upstanding. The media would have us believe that these kinds of comments don't exist, but personally, I think that's impossible. The truth is more in line with the fact that mainstream media keeps the lights on and the staff pays by selling advertising and presenting someone to the public as something associated with El Chapo or the Sinaloa cartel or MS-13 or former confidant to to Jeffrey Epstein or Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby sells a, a hell of a lot more advertising than the truth. The truth being, a suspect is in custody, right? That's the truth. Authorities continue to investigate, also the truth. A presumption of innocence is assumed. And ultimately, a plea arrangement will be reached, charges will be dropped, or the trial will be had, and a jury will make a determination of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt or innocence. But this isn't what's happening. Instead, we're, we're, we're left with the first scenario. The first scenario being, a suspect is portrayed as guilty, right? As a guilty party to what basically equates to trial by headline. Public rage is stoked, even more so if the suspect is associated with one racial, ethnic, religious, or political ideology over another. Because this is great for selling advertising. Now, it's important to understand that while this is happening, the investigation is still taking place. But unfortunately, since police now have a suspect, and they publicly stated how confident they are, and the DA may have even already made a decision to indict, the investigation isn't going to be unbiased. The police, the investigators, are looking to substantiate the groupthink that's already been publicly stated. Which means that evidence that doesn't corroborate these claims will oftentimes not be mentioned to the public, to the defense attorney, or even the court or the jury. And that's when the Constitution comes in. Because these irregularities, there are constitutional safeguards to protect people from this these types of irregularities, but oftentimes they're overlooked. Now, if police from the beginning, let's say that, let's just say for example that the police get it wrong, right? Because they believe the wrong person or weren't immediately privy to certain facts. Because these types of things happen all the time. But let's say for example that a police detective were to come forth and say to the public, ladies and gentlemen, after a more thorough investigation, we now know that our original assessment of so-and-so's culpability was unfounded based on whatever. Now, let's keep in mind here that if this were to happen and there's no new suspect in custody and they don't even have anyone in mind to arrest, the media still has to pay its bills. The light still has to be kept on. So, you know, here's what's going to happen. There's one of two stories that are, that are going to be sold. Story A is going to be Law enforcement admits that they got it wrong and is continuing to search for a new suspect. Or B, a botched investigation leads to victim's family lamenting that someone got away with murder. Followed by in 
And we've seen this enough times to know that people will inevitably behave their best when their actions are being scrutinized by oversight. And these units already exist in some places of the country. And we need them in New Mexico and in every major city across the country. People need to trust in law enforcement. People need to know that prosecutors are going to do the right thing. And this is why I started the petition at change.org forward slash my life plus 25. Because I'm asking for AGs and governors and DAs and even the president of this country to help us bring back public trust to the legal system. Not with propaganda, but with oversight, transparency, and overall involvement with the community. It's not realistic for us to put this immense amount of responsibility on the hands of a politician, someone who stinks or swoon based on public opinion, and then expect moral integrity to win the day. It's just not possible. Nobody is saying here that the justice system is ever going to be perfect. But there are things that we can do to bring about and restore confidence in the legal system that right now can seem like a coin toss as to whether or not someone is going to get the law or not. And I'm very confident that if a conviction integrity unit had existed in New Mexico, I wouldn't be talking to you from this box. And I'm not the only one. This fight, this call to action of activism for justice and wrongful convictions does not begin or end with me. I'm simply one of the literally thousands who are wrongfully convicted, and we don't all have voices or followers or platforms, but I do. And then, and nobody has elected me the voice for the wrongfully convicted, but I speak because I know what it's like to not have a voice. I know what it's like to have one appointed lawyer after another more concerned with professional relationships and courtesy than they are with speaking truth to power. And when it comes to DAs and prosecutors, I'm saying, speaking for myself, these people are not the monsters that we can sometimes see them as. They need help. They need our help. And we can help them by pushing for reforms and oversight that create conviction integrity units so that they aren't exposed to the temptation of having to choose between winning a re-election at the expense of seeing someone wrongfully convicted. Please continue to support my cause. You can find me on mylifeplus25.com. Follow me on Twitter at lifeplus2025. And please, 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 don't forget the hard work that's being done by my lawyer, Jason Bowles, and by Dylan Bowles with Future Gen Media to make this platform available and making this movement possible.